Okay. All right. Yes, I see it. I see it. I see you've clicked on this uh, episode to listen to a 20-minute bout of motivation random stories, but you've seen the runtime. Let me explain. So what had happened was uh, I've just decided to become a liar and uh, not deliver on the content that I promised. Um, no, what's actually happening is I've decided to do a kind of a special, uh, the next, uh, this episode, the next one will kind of be a, a kind of a deep dive into my, my buddy's life and kind of where his headspace is being a active duty person transitioning to veteran. And he just likes to talk. I mean, there's not much more I can say about that. So what we're going to do here is, uh, we're going to do a two parter, uh, with my friend here and I'll, I'll give his bio in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I understand. I, uh, I promised uh, no long, long form content, but you know, life's wild like that. So this is what I'm doing. Uh, there's a friend of mine. Uh, we're both Hoosiers, so you know he's a natural born storyteller, and we both served together in First Battalion, Third Marines. That's how we met. And he also is at the moment uh, attending the University of Houston, where I live. So we spent some time around each other, and he lived with me for a few months while he uh, <laughs> he kind of settled in here. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that too. Um, but yeah, so what I want to do is a kind of a, a bio on this guy. He has a lot to say. And I think, um, especially this time of people getting out and we're more of a peacetime military now, I mean, conflicts on the horizons, that's always going to be there. But as of right now, I think a lot of the people who missed the global war on terror, um, feel the same way he feels. Uh, so it's, uh, it was interesting to kind of give him a kill clip and let him just kind of spill his guts. So yeah, without further ado, this is the uh, the bio of my buddy Braxton Simpson, also known as Doc Simpson. Uh, he attended quarter school in San Antonio, graduated FMTB West, boo. His first orders were to 3rd Marine Regiment. He eventually went to 1st Battalion, 3rd Marines, which is where we met. We deployed to uh, Okinawa and Korea together. He was the sniper corpsman, he was the Cat 1 corpsman, and he was uh, line corpsman for Charlie Company for a little bit. And then after... Hawaii, his tour with 3rd Marines, he got stationed in Damneck, Virginia, but then got shuffled out to NAS Oceana Clinic, where he was in family practice, uh, lab tech, optometry, and deployed on the U.S. Uh, NS Comfort two times. And yeah, he's going to talk all about that, but he's had uh, quite, the, uh, quite the career in the few years he was in. Like I said, he's out now. He's attending the University of Houston. And yeah, it's just, uh, let's hear what he has to say. Be very professional. Don't worry about it. All right. So I, I have two questions for you uh, to start this whole thing. Uh, you had the privilege of living with me for a few months, right? That's true. Uh, as somebody, or well, as somebody who's a known recluse uh, and the world doesn't get to uh, see me, you know, uh, in my living space. What was it like living with me? Give me a brief rundown. All right. So, <laughs> you know, I think I mentioned this just a little bit ago. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that struck me was after coming about 12 hours off the road, you said, hey, man, you can use the guest bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, thanks. Right. Had a towel and everything. Had mm-hmm. some soap. I brought it with me. There you go. What I didn't bring with me and what I failed to understand is uh, there was no shower curtain in the guest bathroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was right. meant to actively discourage people from being there. <laughs> I don't think people's showering here. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, well, later on, when Maddie and them came through, Maddie and Austin, <laughs> they used that shower curtain. They did. They that would is have true. been shower curtain less. But had they, it not been like for true me. Hoosiers, would have just accepted the fact I don't have a shower curtain and would have let it go. I mean, yeah, but since I was going to be here for a minute, I wasn't going to shower without a shower curtain right. for months on end. Beautiful. This interview is going great. All right. Yeah. So I have two inside jokes for you to explain to the world, to our thousands mm-hmm. of listeners. Uh, what is, in this house, in the two, three months you lived here, what is a code avalanche? so lucy being the saint bernard mix that she is you know she's trained to respond to certain arctic contingencies such as avalanches that's correct so uh you know whenever lucy starts getting crazy she has to you got to call code avalanche she gets out of hand she's got she goes into her roots yep you know instead of black flag she white flag she's avalanched up she's she's here to save you yeah. And the second one, what is code Hawkeye and why is it a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I would posit this question <laughs> to the viewership, you know. No, no. Just just explain. <clears throat> <laughs> so uh And you you explain in your own words and then I'll actually yeah. tell what actually happened as soon as you fuck it up. I'm not gonna fuck it up. Alright, go ahead. You see you're gaslighting me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh so basically we had a uh, a just knock rule established. That's correct. Which is fair, you know. And everything was good for three quarters of the time. <laughs> you know, he said he was going to take care of some business, just like the bricks. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. anyone's lived in the barracks, like you know, your roommate says something. You're like, oh yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> you know. Uh, however, he phrased it, "I'm going to, you know, take care of my business right. and then watch Hawkeye." Mm-hmm. After say. An hour and a half. Right. You know. Uh-huh. Lucy was being real out of hand. She wanted Mike. She was pouting. She was mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she was pawing me. She was <laughs> pawing the doors. Yeah. She was, uh, you know, going to cause some property damage. <laughs> you know, she was, She. I was really concerned for her. Sure. And so yeah. I was like, hey, it's been an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, business is probably done. He's probably watching Hawkeye now. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that was not the case. Right. Like a true sociopath, he wanted to watch a man in a leather suit dance around rooftops for an hour mm-hmm. and then take care of his business. Right. Which, you know, I haven't seen Hawkeye myself, so maybe there are some real beautiful women on the cast, <laughs> but that's just not the order of business I would have done things. Right, exactly. So uh, yeah. then I just opened the door and I said, hey, Lucy, get in there. And then uh, all I heard was... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's not what you heard. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear me going, ah. <laughs> it was once you noticed me. You were like, ah. And then you said, get, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, shit. And then I shut the door and walked away. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, it was, uh, it was a quick in and out. I didn't linger. I was just like, hey, go see your dad. But that was enough to break, uh, break the, con- the confidence of this man. That you is know? correct. You know, he one and done rule around here. Yeah. You know, I think Navy medicine prepared me <laughs> where that was not a non-issue. I was like, oh, shit, my bad. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just scooting and moving. I mean, also the Marines in the barracks mm-hmm. was not my first day. Hell. <laughs> and I get that. And I understand that. So pretty much what you're saying is you broke the, the knock rule by just opening the door while I'm sitting here with my sin stick in my hand. Now. And you, whenever we talk about this, you're always like, oh, it's been so long. Hawkeye should be over by then. Do not, first off, do not rush me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what I do is a ceremony, and it takes yeah. a long time, okay? Look, 
Did I make a mistake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but do I, you know, I wasn't, uh, I don't know. I just, Hawkeye to me kind of would have been like a, a downer, you know? Sure. You know, I don't know if that would have made me more glizzed up no, or less, but you know, the whole Hawkeye, like, <laughs> I think that's what really made me unable to understand that it was still going on our half later. I was like, how does Hawkeye fit into this? Right, right. You know, because, you know, this wasn't Shang-Chi. That was no Katie and no, Hawkeye, no, you know. No, no, I always cranked down to Shang-Chi, no questions <laughs> asked. But so what had happened was I went in to watch Hawkeye and then take care of my business. So And that's what I did. I had mm-hmm. finished the episode of Hawkeye, mm-hmm. and I think it was season finale, so it was probably glissed up. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was just glizzy glistening, yeah, too but, excited. But again, I laid down the parameters. I said, I'm going in here to take care of business and watch Hawkeye. And yet you did not adhere to the rules that we had established while moving in together. That was my bad. All right. You know, and I, I did take enough. blame for it. After a while, <laughs> it well, took me a few times of saying, hey, why'd you do that for you? Go, okay, my bad. Yeah. The first few times, you just gaslit the shit out of me. <laughs> you just said, what's taking so long? I would have been done by now. Lucy wanted in. You're a bad me, dog, dad. I would, I would have never <laughs> gaslit. <laughs> doesn't even sound like me. Yeah, it's not, who are you talking about? That doesn't even sound like me. You know, that okay. just, uh, you know, like, I just... Uh, I felt like an ample amount of time had passed and I, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't like in there talking, you know, I understand I was in the wrong, but mm-hmm. I thought it was just a, I thought you would just be chilling and it was in and out. Right, right. You know, whole, the whole event was sub five seconds, <laughs> sub five seconds on this. Was it still wrong? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But it was sub five seconds. But you hear yourself right now, right? You're still yeah. trying to justify it. I'm not just going justifying. To... I'm just giving them the full mm-hmm. situation. I mm-hmm. think they can be the judge. They will probably judge me poorly. Yeah, yeah. But I just want them to hear the whole story. Fair enough. All right. You know, they'll probably still say, fuck that guy. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I told my truth and all that. That's, <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what 2022 is all about. We're very proud of you. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's why we call it Code Hawkeye in this house now. Anytime you want to go crank down to Marvel content, <laughs> you have to call it Code <laughs> Hawkeye. <laughs> it's often. That's what, It is all the time. It was right before you got here, actually. All right. So, uh yeah, that's pretty much I got for that. I right, think you're just... missing the most important inside joke. What's that? The Waterloo. <laughs> the Waterloo. See, the Waterloo is such an inside joke, it doesn't translate well. You know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah. So, it, well, now people want to know what it is. Oh, so, you have to tell them. them. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you're not missing anything, yeah, audience. Gaslight them. Yeah. See, what is this? <laughs> this has just become the Gaslight Show. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like me. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. So, let's, let's get into why you're here. Number one. You were in the area, and I needed a guest. <laughs> Number two. Top of the pick right we here. We served together in 1st Battalion, 3rd Marines, greatest battalion on earth. Yes. Now, uh, I wanted to us to both recant the first time we talked to each other and how we were introduced, because I think we both have different stories about that, too. So how do you remember it? Uh, well, I was a boot. Yes. So, Still are. Go ahead. You know, I think that's the terminal condition of anyone who enlisted after, like, 2011. That's fair. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Um, I just, uh, I got H and one Christian. They were like, Hey, get the fuck up to chief's office. <laughs> I was like, Oh fuck. What have I done? Mm-hmm. You know, I was, uh, H a, I think I was FMF at that yeah, point. I think you were, yeah. yeah. Before, you didn't come to battalion to get FMF. Remember that? Yeah. 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 So I was, uh, yeah. Cause H one Freeland helped me out. And made sure that I did all that shit while I was waiting to go. Um, Senior chief now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> he's a good guy. He's still wherever a good guy. he's at, yeah. wherever he's at in the world, uh, I still love you. He's probably listening to this. Go ahead. Well, hopefully, hopefully he has uh, equally positive things to say about me. Right. Anyways, uh, so H one Christian told somebody to send for me. He said, "Get the fuck up there right now." So I get up there. You're chilling. Chief Wink's chilling there, and uh, my leave papers are being passed around. And he was like, uh, I can't remember if it was him or you, but one of you mm-hmm. guys was like, why the fuck are you going to Peru, Indiana? <laughs> it was probably me. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, I mean, in that case, I'd be like, uh, RP2, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's where I'm from. So I would like to go home, see my family before leave. And you're like, what the fuck do you mean you're from there? <laughs> and I was like, uh, that's, that's, that's where I grew up, RP2. Yep. And you're like, What? And mm-hmm. then come to find out you grew up in Cass County. That's correct. Yeah. You know, went to Lewis Cass like 30 minutes or so down the road from mm-hmm. Peru High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we exchanged. We knew the Welches, you know, his older brother. I knew the younger brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, wrestled together. That's right. And, you know, then then you're like, don't worry. You might be a dumb boot, yeah, yeah. but I'll show you the way. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. I- see, that, see, that's that's the part I'd take umbrage with because <laughs> the way I remember it is uh, this <laughs> fresh-faced <laughs> young Navy corpsman comes to me and I say, oh, are you from Indiana? I happen to also be from Indiana. Are you from Peru? You said yes. And I said, oh, I'm from dear Peru. And then we held hands and we walked down the stairs together. That's how I remember it. I remember <laughs> saying fuck you and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you were the one saying fuck you. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Chief Wink loved to have yeah. like, you know, fake serious meetings. That's, he did it all the time. He's doing yeah. it right now. <laughs> you know, he's probably gaslighting some kid right now. <laughs> I think that's where I learned it. <laughs> Uh, my favorite yeah. one was whenever he did it to Esco in Okinawa. That's a fantastic story. Yeah. I told that on the old podcast. Yeah. That is a great story. Esco is, he's hands first, ask questions later. Yeah. Good man. Especially right. hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We, so I know you don't do a lot of podcasting, but you're saying a lot of names of people yeah. don't know. That's <laughs> so fine. You got to be careful with that. Gotcha. Um, all right. So serve him one three. Do you mean a name drop less? No, no. <laughs> like just no. say a person I know. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know the I'm just, I'm just, Yeah, yeah. No, it's not so much you're saying their names. It's just a lot of people don't know these people. Gotcha, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So um, we're keeping that in, by the way. And uh, okay. so yeah, that's how we meet. I hold your hand down the stairs and guide you. Make sure your leave gets submitted. And then we, I remember we bonded at an ITX sitting in the laundry room. Um, we were both just <laughs> in our silkies, just talking about life, love, and the pursuit of the Hoosier happiness, and then deployed together. Um, yeah, had a pretty good time. Is there? Uh, I know I didn't like talk about this earlier. Is there any like stories about us that stand out? Because I don't think there really are. I think we just had just good times together for the most part. There's uh, when I think about you know one of the major things that you kind of helped me work through was oh. the you know the classic first heartbreak that every deployment has <laughs> right 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 you know i think at that time i did call you a fucking idiot because i was like you're deploying and you have a girlfriend back home in the midwest i'm like okay <laughs> no, she was actually uh in hawaii oh oh that's right that's right yeah that's right. even then, worse <laughs> yeah and then when we came back we found out that uh she was well acquainted mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. uh charlie company rbe yeah yeah you know yeah. Those handsome <laughs> bastards. They got R- me. RBE gets them every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah RBE got selected. <laughs> you know, the draft letter comes in. It's like, hey, man, you made it. Team yeah. Jody, starter. <laughs> Starting lineup for Team Jody, you're okay. in. I do remember that we were doing training on Mount Fuji, yeah. and you told me, 
oh, RP2, I've suffered the heartbreak that everybody suffers on deployment. And I remember it was myself, uh, Castro, I want to say Olsen, and a few other docs uh, just all bought you a bunch of Bud Lights. (laughs) And and then we patted you on the back, and that's what we did. I mean, that's the classic. I think everybody has to go through it. Yeah, 100%. Everyone, like everyone says, hey, your first, you know, deployment girlfriend or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. almost... You know, there are exceptions to every rule, but no one wants to believe that the rule applies to them until after they experience it firsthand, you know? it's a very good point. So, yeah. So, I helped you change your life in a positive way. Perfect. Oh, of course. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, after 1-3 was over, where does the Braxton <laughs> Simpson story go from there? Oh, it got out of hand. <laughs> it got out of hand. This uh, is this is it. This is the part where this is your platform to, to platform to talk your shit. So just go ahead. All right. Well, uh, I miss. <laughs> I made the uh, the classic mistake of uh, you know fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the third? Fool me three times. Get. Kick it fooled Kick again. It fooled again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so obviously I re-enlisted like a fucking idiot and went to uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Naval Air Station, Oceana. Uh, an interesting place. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of how to <laughs> phrase it. <laughs> again, you're out now. You can say whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Well, I also don't want to just be like shitting on people. and. That's true. That's you know, true. Be an asshole on the I'd, internet. Odds are they'd fucking listen to this. So. You know. Um, so basically, the way the command was set up was like mm-hmm. almost every fairy tale, good or bad, that they told you about how Blue Side was going to be coming mm-hmm. FMF. There was a certain level of truth to it, and it was like almost all of the negatives that they said mm-hmm. were in fact true. And all the positives that they said would happen mm-hmm. as returning FMF were almost all lies. <laughs> so, okay. okay. <laughs> so, you know, first off, I get my orders. I was supposed to go to Damneck, actually. That was like what my orders said. Mm-hmm. Get there. Damneck's a smaller clinic. It would have been a much more laid back experience. Same base that you were chilling on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I get there and they said, hey, no, no. You know, all three of these clinics kind of just share com- personnel. So you're going to you're going to work here instead. Right. So then I get pulled to like the main clinic or whatever. And the, you know, all the staff, you know, HM1s and everything who were in charge of primary care that I worked in at the time, they were all, you know, dudes who were highly decorated, had mm-hmm. done a lot of stuff. And they were all pretty much fucking miserable. <laughs> right. You know, they would sit in the back talk about the good old days mm-hmm. and they were you know like they didn't want to be here so it was really hard to you know because like I, those are the guys i wanted to grow up and be right you know i wanted to you know look up to those guys i wanted to grow up be those guys and it's like that's like the end of the road for them they're there to try to make you know rank because they were unable to make it doing the the things that you know you joined the military to do do you think now, looking back, because um, that kind of is like the stereotype, that's the plight of the Navy corpsman, right? You start yeah. out as a line guy, and then you just become more depressed after that. Uh, yeah. Do you find that stereotype holds true? Uh, in my own personal experience, I found it. I f- it was a very tough, mm-hmm. you know, adapting, you know. And I mean, I probably didn't make it any easier on myself, mm-hmm. you know. You know, that's just how it is. It's like you're young, you're a little cocky, you're coming off of Greenside where it's like, you know, 
specifically, you know, I was infantry and I was senior, right. one of the senior line dudes. So it's like, I, you know, I probably had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder at the same time where I didn't help my situation. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, there was certain adapting to the blue side culture is also very different because one of my uh, HM1s at the time, he looked me dead in the eye and he said, I don't care if you can do an IV upside down, blindfolded at night. He's like, if you're not doing collaterals, selling cupcakes and doing right. bullshit like that, he's like, you're never promoting here. Yeah. And while at the time that really pissed me off and I was angry at him because I was like, man, fuck you. Like, you know, like you're a fucking suck up, you know, all the, all the negative things that you could say about a person. Ultimately, he was trying to give me good advice, but it's, you know, it's definitely not what I wanted to hear. And it's personally not how I think the Navy should be structured, but you know, neither one of us would ever reach a position to influence how that would go down. So like, you know, what he's saying is, is true. You know, it's like, they don't really give a fuck how, you know, skill wise good you are. It's Mm -hmm. how good you look on paper, man. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like without an active war to Mm -hmm. fight, you know, there's, you know, it's, a fucking retirement system yeah. for government employees. Like as long as there's not a war to fight and nothing to do, it's like a lot of people are there just to get the bennies and go. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I definitely see that now in recruiting more than ever. Um, but do you feel like uh, your time, uh, all the knowledge you gained just doing expeditionary and combat medicine, do you think any of those skills were utilized in a blue side setting at all? Do you think it was even for like quiz purposes? Like, Hey, I'm going to take these junior corpsmen. I'm going to talk about field medicine. You, did you find any of that training to put to good use on the blue side? Um, so my first year at the blue side clinic, I worked exclusively in family practice medicine mm-hmm. and that I was woefully underprepared for that, you know, cause you got to think about how you conduct sick call with the Marines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, you go off in a room with your guys you do just about everything and you come back to a doc and you're like, Hey, you know, LT, this is what I think it is. Do you concur? Am I wrong? Am I an idiot? Whatever. Versus in a blue side clinic, corpsmen are treated as the level of medical assistance on the outside Mm -hmm. because there are civilian nurses, you know, the civilian hierarchy of medicine applies to blue side medicine versus green side. There's PAs, doctors, and then corpsmen. There are HM ones who operate, you know, in the capacity of a physician's assistant for the most part, Mm -hmm. but you know, all intermediate levels between provider and down are filled by corpsmen. So, you know, in the blue side setting, people have to compete to, you know, prove that they're needed pretty much, you know, so like the nurses were almost exclusively pushing the meds and things like that. Like jobs that we would have had as line corpsmen were no longer, you know, our jobs to have. You know, we were pretty much like almost all of my abilities Mm -hmm. were kind of like I went from having an unlimited scope to as much as, you know, the battalion surgeon trusted me to operate on my own Mm -hmm. to a very specific black and white. Here are your left and right lateral limits of what you are and are not allowed to do Mm -hmm. and who has to be present for you to do it. So, you know, like even like tonal removals, we used to just, you know, run those down in the barracks even, you know, and then like blue side, you know, you had to have. XYZ to even think about doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, and there were certain providers like, um, there was one particular, you know, PA 
who was a fucking, you know, he was a prior FMF guy. He'd been mm-hmm. around the block. He was, uh, <clears throat> he would, you know, he would let us, he would pretty much walk in and be like, yep, do your thing. And he'd walk out. Yeah. You know, he kind of gave us that autonomy back. So like a lot of my time in my first year was spent just raging against the machine, trying mm-hmm. to regain some medical autonomy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess the easy solution is, hey, if you don't fucking like it, get out and get licensed. Right. You know, because you can't always live in Greenside. But at the same time, it still was very frustrating to go from like that sort of level of independence mm-hmm. back to being like, hey, man, you are an MA level you know, provider, like you can't do X, Y, Z, can't even push like penicillin, you know, <laughs> well, then what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like you take vitals. So you'd walk in, do the patient interview, take your vitals, hand it to the doctor and fuck off, come yeah, back yeah. if they need you. Yeah. You know, so like the Corman was pretty much non-utilized and I was like, why the fuck are we even here? Mm-hmm. Because there were also civilian, you know, GSs, things like that. Like there was already an established, you know, pecking order and the civilians filled all levels of it. So like we were pretty much there to supplement and stay out of the way. Yeah. You know, I felt very underused. It was very frustrating. Uh, my second year, however, I, I worked out a deal to get sent over to the laboratory. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I picked up stride. You know, um, the HM one who was my, you know, LPO in the lab, H one prayer. She's, um, she got commissioned actually like, she really opened up the door for me to gain some of that independence back, some of that autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, I started out doing phlebotomy in the front and then they let me do, you know, work on getting certified to run machines and stuff in the back, do wave level testing. Some of mm-hmm. like the real basic laboratory stuff. I was never like, you know, super advanced any of that, but you know, they showed me the ropes and you know, they trusted me once I'd shown that I was competent mm-hmm. to, you know, be an active participant in the setting. I'm like, I know that, you know, I really lucked out in that situation that a, there was good leadership there, you know, you know, shout out, you know, H and one NAF and H one prayer, all those guys that gave me a shot in the yeah. back of a uh, ocean laboratory, you all, know, all big fans of the show. So yeah, probably not. You know, I would doubt that any of them listen to podcasts if I was going to be a betting man. Well, you would lose that bet, but go ahead. Yeah. Some, some underlings going to be like, Hey, do you hear this? And they're like, the fuck are you talking about? Shut up. I'm famous. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. We pretend. <laughs> yeah. For those not in the know, I don't think I've yeah. ever listened to a full podcast by him. It's very upsetting. Yeah. I've done hundreds. <laughs> yeah. I might not even listen to my own, especially if I get like hate mail. <laughs> you won't get hate mail. No, it's good stuff, yeah. man. Um, okay, so you uh you're starting to cut your teeth on the blue side, you're starting to realize maybe this isn't for me. How did the uh deployment yeah. on the hospital ships come about? So the first one was me being an asshole. So, you know, big surprise there. The classic blue side FMF experience. Uh, you talk some shit to the wrong person, and then lo and behold, you are cranking <laughs> on the hospital ship for like four months in South America. So for, for civilian listeners who may not know what cranking is, or even what a hospital ship is, maybe explain that a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so this was news to me as well. You know, I had uh, no intention in my life of ever being on a naval vessel. Hmm. Uh it was actively something that I was proud of never having been on, you know, because we're as FMF. It, as, is, as is the FMF way. Yeah. yeah. You know, you try your hardest to do as little naval things as possible as an FMF guy. Cause you're like, my heart and soul belongs to the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. All this other shit's for the birds. Right. Right. 
So <laughs> the only way to describe this is uh, basically there was a guy I worked with. He had cranked the time before. Mm-hmm. He was an HN who st- was on Des. He struck HM, and he was he was a hustler. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally respect him. He was always cool to me, and he's hustling. He you know he had to he had to get out of that shit. Mm-hmm. I respect him. You know, I would have been doing the same because <laughs> I would not want to fucking crank multiple times in now, a row. Now, again, what is cranking? I'm getting there. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, getting how sorry. I got there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know? Yeah, b- build the story. Please so go this ahead. this guy's shucking and jiving. He's like, oh, I can't do it. You know, he comes up with his laundry list of reasons, as we all do, to get out of the hospital ships. And then they call me in, and I forget what I was doing. I think I was working with the MAICs um, at the local, you know, Marine Training Command on base. They loved having me out. I loved helping them, you know, beat down kids Mm -hmm. you know it was just like i got to you know pretend i was with the marines again for a day and they called me in so i'm hot and sweaty i'd been helping them run like a gray belt course or something right right. you know and i'd actually they loved having me out because like i would run with the platoons and everything as they were doing like their training like usually just hop in the car i'm like that's nerds (laughs) (laughs) i I ain't no nerd yeah it's like i have to actively try to be cool that's right and so they called me in and I forget what it was, but basically I copped a real bad attitude <laughs> with the, uh, the three HM ones that were in the office asking me about, uh, why I was so jaded okay. about, uh, working in the clinic. And I kept it real. I was like, look, no matter how this cuts down, you know, I'm aging out of being a line corpsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all I see is my future and you guys, and all three of you are unhappy, you know, the only three people in this building who have, you know, cars, the only three people that have done anything in this building, they're all in this back little fucking office struggling to pick up rank mm-hmm. while overweight, undeployable people promote over them. Mm. And I was like, that sounds horrible. Why in the fuck would I ever want to grow up and be that? You know, and that might not be the exact wording. It's been some years now, but <laughs> it really pissed him off because on that, like the next day I was on the, uh, UN USNS comforts ship staff list. And I was listed as a cranker. The mm-hmm. hospital ship is basically a converted cruise ship that functions as a forward hospital. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I forget the exact dimensions of right, the ship, right. but it's big as fuck. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was at least like three to 500 people on it that were crew and, uh, cranking, is this old-timey naval tradition where, you know, every department or so, I guess, on a regular ship sends a person as tribute to the kitchen (laughs) to pretty much feed the ship's company. (laughs) And since the hospital ship is only corpsmen who are usually exempt from this duty Mm -hmm. in the regular fleet, uh, it's the comeuppance for all of the corpsmen who have either pissed off the naval chain of command or are just unlucky enough to be brand new and put on the ship. Yeah. So, fun fact, there was four other FMF corpsmen in the same exact situation as me who all had been told to fuck themselves by their chain of commands and sent to crank. So it was like, you know, us like three or four, you know, third class pinned up petty officers like (laughs) surrounded by like E1s. And they're like, why are you guys here? And it's like, <laughs> don't fucking ask me, kid. Yeah. I will fucking snap. Hand me those cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, then I worked in the fucking kitchen like a damn dog for, yeah. you know. And I mean, 
Yeah, I probably should have said what I did, but you know, I mean, I was right. Yeah, yeah. All of them, to my knowledge, have not. You know, they didn't crack chief, and I mean, like those were all they were the most qualified people in the fucking building. Yeah, and like as far as I know, like they've all got out or retired, and they don't have the rank of the only three people that I could say like you did enough to earn that. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who didn't get it. So, you know, like they had put in the work, and like they were just struggling trying to get the next rank and you know as often it is it's not the guys who have the laundry list of experience and like career milestones it's Mm -hmm. you know it's whatever admin bullshit they're looking for that week it's all about who you know that shit don't change unfortunately all right so you're cranking you're feeding you're feeding the ship oh it was awful man you're doing you're doing your medicine feeding the ship um so from there where did you cruise about on the comfort so on that on that booze cruise. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any ports? Did I ever uh, ask you that? I don't think I even know no. that. So here's a fun fact. Yeah. The uh, ship staff never went ashore because you had to continually feed the people who stayed on board. Mm. So of those, you know, it's pretty embarrassing. And I mean, it was a pretty devious punishment. I got to give them credit for that. Like it was really well thought out. And I mean, judging by the fact there were other FMF dudes experiencing the same fate. Yeah. It was probably a common punishment. Yeah. Because, you know, by billet, those are E3 and below billets. Yeah. So they had to hand fill E4s into that spot. The mm-hmm. fact that there were multiple of us, you know, that just goes to say that, like, that was probably the, the common punishment for guys you didn't like. Yeah. It didn't sound like they started that tradition with you. Yeah, no. Yeah. You know, it was a long line of unfortunates who, you know, spouted off at the wrong fucking time. <laughs> or at the right time. <laughs> yeah, or at the right time, yeah. I mean, I did make I did make some good friends on that. Good. Uh, no, it's good. You know, there was a couple young dudes that, you know, they were like, you know, pretty jaded for being that early on. I mean, I'd be fucking jaded too if I joined to be a hospital corpsman, wanted to be with the Marines, and mm-hmm. then my first duty station I get, you know, Naval Hospital fucking Portsmouth. And yeah. then from there... In my first six months, I get sent to go fucking cook potatoes on a ship. <laughs> you know, hey, real good fucking use of yeah. however much money you pumped into this kid for mm-hmm. medicine. Like yeah, already having done field med and stuff, and now here you are cooking fucking potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be fucking pissed. You know, there's no real good way to do that. No, that's just that's just the Navy machine. I mean, yeah. that's just that chews you up and spits you out, so it doesn't you know, really matter. But like, you know, I made a really good like. I met this one dude, Dima. He's fucking was a solid gym partner. You mm-hmm. know, we were both. He was on the same shift for cooking, so, like, he'd ask me, you know, FMF shit just as, you know, as new guys are want to do that want to go down that path, you know, mm-hmm. he'd ask me questions and stuff, and, like, we worked out, dude was pretty fit, like, we'd always be hanging out, chilling, and, you know, then he was 7th seventh, uh, seventh Reg now, so, you know, his dreams worked out, like, okay. kids having a good time. There you go. You know, a lot of the a lot of the dudes that I, you know, talked to along the way that, you know, were pretty fucking jaded, but, like, they kept up with me, you know, they pushed on to you know go with marine units and they fucking loved it you know so i mean that is like the positive thing is like you know while that specific time sucked mm-hmm. i did meet some good dudes that went on to you know to go fucking work with marines and stuff you know guys that were like discouraged as fuck and i was like hey man it does get better if you can get with a unit like you know it's fucking way different here yeah Interesting. All right. So but you're yeah. you're responsible for molding the future of the Fleet Marine Force Corpsman. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I would. Put it yeah. in the PQS. <laughs> All right. So you're underway. You're cranking. You're loving life. You're making friends. Yep. We uh we stopped at like, I don't know, like five or six places in South America. Oh, okay. Uh, 
I know we went through Panama because I have the giant, uh, giant that I don't know that thing they give you for going to the ditch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have that thing. Uh, we stopped in Ecuador, Peru. I think Colombia. I don't know. It's and you didn't get to experience any of these places. I got to go to like one place, mm-hmm. and I will say this: there's one like the one time I did get off the ship was because some officer was like. Why the fuck is there an FMF Corman in the kitchen? Yeah. They're like, I guess they were really pissed at some kid that they had to deal with that, you know, I guess was doing lackluster performance or something. Yeah. They were like, look, give me, give me them for a day. <laughs> yeah. Cause they were rotating us out of the kitchen. You know, yeah. they were rotating like, cause pretty much everyone had a connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so then one of my buddies who, you know, worked in whatever department, he was like, hey, this is my buddy, you know, help pull him for a day or whatever. And, you know, they did do a decent job. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, like, phenomenal. Right, but everyone right. did eventually get to do medicine for at least a day. Okay. You know, not at every port, mm-hmm. but over the whole course of the time, they did get to do medicine for at least a day. I wouldn't say that it was every time. You know, like I said, I think I only got off the ship, like, twice. Yeah. You know. But, you know, the day that I did go in... They had just got done telling us, whatever you do, do not eat the locals' food. <laughs> and it was this higher up walking around with his local military counterpart. And I remember there was this female officer. And, you know, she was kind of a smoke show. <clears throat> as as they tend to be sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, she had her cup of, like, local Peruvian food. It was like this purple paste hmm. in a cup. And... She was like, "Oh, hey, try this." And mm-hmm. like she had, and the guy who just gave us the fucking brief that said, "Do not eat the local food." Mm-hmm. was the one walking them around as she's trying to hand me this cup, and like I looked at him, and this motherfucker actively was like nodding. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this a setup?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cuz if it is, you can tell me. I'll still fall for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a honey pot for yeah, sure, yeah. but <laughs> it was like, you know, I I can't get worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, the brig might be an improvement. <laughs> at least I won't be cooking for you fucks. Yeah, you know. At least I won't have to fucking deal with you. Like, I want more eggs. Fuck yeah. you. Everybody wants more eggs. Yeah. It's like, oh. I'm not making no damn omelets at the CSs. All right, so yeah. you, you go So I ate it. the yeah, mysterious yeah. food. I, you know, moral of the story is that yeah. shit was delicious. Oh, okay. Do you it, know what it was called? I have no fucking clue, man. It was just purple paste. It was like this purple shit in a cup. I'll go on a limb and say it wasn't lean. Oh, okay. I'll say that. <laughs> Did you have diarrhea? No, I was oh, fine. You know, all the shit that he said that would happen in the slideshow mm-hmm. and then told me to still eat did not happen. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the hypocrisy was real that day. I was like, look, I knew there was hypocrisy in this shit, but it's this a, is very direct. It's a government employee. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all we know is hypocrisy. Yeah, I was still just like, the guy who held the meeting is like, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> so you're underway with comfort come back stateside and then uh one thing i want to talk to you about uh is the pandemic so a lot of us myself included even active duty military we were kind of once the pandemic started we all kind of got isolated and quarantined and we're all living stateside now you actually technically deployed at this time so you have is is, for somebody who doesn't like to talk about his quote-unquote deployments because you like to be self-deprecating this is the most interesting shit of all time and more people need to hear about it so let's hear about that i'll open up with uh 
nothing I've done is particularly <laughs> important. Don't the, fall for the hype. <laughs> it's the most interesting shit ever. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the interesting shit was the circus, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we definitely are not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there I was once again. <laughs> You know, BHC Oceana having a fucking ripping good time. Yeah. You know, they pulled me from, they were trying to pull me back to primary care from the laboratory. And I was like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I want to stay under ancillary services, you know, LPO. She was, you know, she was the shit. Like she, you know, she fought for me. She fucking kept me in the department. So then mm-hmm. I was switched over to be the, you know, L- I was actually the LPO of the optometry department after that, you know, mm-hmm. as a third class, which was, you know. Awesome. You know, granted, I only had like two underlings and I just had to make sure that the civilians were up on their paperwork and stuff. You know, it was it was a very light LPO position. But, you know, I was able to stay in ancillary and, you know, work for, you know, the same department head, the same, you know, departmental LPO. It was, you know, I got to stay in the family. Okay. And so then I was trying to take care of like you know, aches and pains. Cause I knew I was, you know, approaching getting out or switching. So, you know, I was trying to just make sure I had my documentation or whatever, because I was not like how everyone is when you're operational. I was not writing down my stuff. I wasn't, you know, documenting aches and groans. So like I had like dislocated my hand or what, not my whole hand, but like my right thumb, I'd fucked it up in the MAIC course because I was, uh, technically, so I was a corpsman, mm-hmm. but I was also kind of participating in it. I, like I ran my green belt with them yeah. as they were running their instructor tab. Mm-hmm. Since they went through green belt, like I was rolling with them and everything. Yeah. And on the days where you had to have like exclusive sparring, I'd bring like a friend or something. Yeah. So that way I could hop in the pit. Because I was also doing my green belt with them. And then on the days where we could get by where I was doing both, I did both. Why not? Why not double dip? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was helped me out. Got my green belt. <laughs> there you, you know? go. So... You know, I was trying to, like, do PT and stuff because, like, my hand was, like, going numb and stuff. It was mm-hmm. nothing really debilitating. It was just stuff that, you know, pissed you off as you're writing a report or something. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, hey, this pandemic's pretty bad, guys. <laughs> We're going to send the ship out. And I was like, oh, man, didn't ask. Yeah, yeah. Please don't fucking send me. Yeah, I went on the last time. Good luck with that, though. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's so fucking crazy. I'm out in, like, a year. <laughs> you know, like, I care so much about new york city Mm -hmm. and they were like oh yeah i'm like yeah man that's that's so wild good luck to you guys (laughs) you know because it was a really it was a political hot topic you know sure yeah it was and like that was the thing is like it's one of those positions where you know on all sides everyone's politicizing it for their own personal agenda so i was like this is going to be a fucking nightmare. Because mm-hmm. first and foremost, that ship is designed for, with combat casualties in mind, mm-hmm. there's four ICUs on there. And if you have, you know, late stage COVID or whatever, and you're like dying, yeah. you're going to be in an ICU and be like ventilated. You know, you're going to need intensive, you're going to be in an intensive care unit. And mm-hmm. that ship only had four of those with like maybe a hundred beds. So, you know, like really the situation as the military is prone to do constantly changed. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get out of it because I was like, look guys, <laughs> I just got this new job. I'm an LPO. This is a nice cushy position. You don't want to deploy to New York city. Yeah. I didn't want to add another embarrassing, <laughs> you know, 
hash mark on my list of fake deployments. Like <laughs> that's a real one. I'm a Korea stand veteran. It's true. A you New York stand veteran. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just like I can't keep adding stand to bullshit <laughs> places and then pretend that it was real. I'm, <laughs> you know, this is getting this is getting difficult for even me to gaslight myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm running I'm running low. Right. Even the real stands suck. So go yeah. ahead. Yeah. You know, so they were like, "Hey, man, that's cool." But occupational therapy shut down because of the pandemic. So technically, mm. you're not an occupational uh, therapy patient anymore. So mm-hmm. you're good to deploy. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, because this time, I'm not saying that South America is kind of like training wheels. Right. But like, you know, a lot of what we do in South America is like, you know, people that have never seen a doctor, they're getting like their very first, you know, doctor's visits. It's a lot of wellness stuff. Yeah. It's a good place for a lot of like younger people to cut their teeth. Yeah, of course. You know. And so this time they're like, oh, fuck, it's, you know, it's it's the U.S. of A. Yeah, it's New York City. It's like if we look like assholes on this one. Yeah, yeah. it's really going to be bad, <laughs> you know. So I, I don't know about you, but New York likes to complain a lot. So uh, oh, they <laughs> complained. I'll tell you that. I remember <laughs> we'll get to that. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they're like, hey, man, just so conveniently we got a spot for you. Mm-hmm. And like, don't worry, you're not cranking this time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, don't you worry. And I was like. I'll fucking cause a scene. You know? <laughs> I will burn this ship to the ground. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot left for me right now, guys. Fucking do this to me again. <laughs> what we say? Fool me once. <laughs> you know, I thought it applied to reenlistments. Mm, it also applies to hospital ship deployments. Everything in the Navy is fool me once. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I get on there and lo and behold, they were not lying. I actually did get assigned to the ICU. I got placed on the night shift. Um, and you know, there was a good group of people with us mm-hmm. and, you know, we got things worked out. There were some, uh, there were some reservists who came on plus this up. Uh, so you guys pulled into New York city. Yeah. So we were there right there in Norfolk and then we went up to New York city mm-hmm. and we pulled in, they have like some really like propaganda style photos of us like next to the Statue of Liberty, you know, everything. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, all the, all the major photo ops. And I mean, and I don't want to downsay the work that we did because, you know, everyone did work their ass off. Sure. But, you know, ultimately, I felt like, you know, like I said, it's ICU. It's a respiratory illness where they're usually, you know, needing to be ventilated, you know. Mm-hmm. That was not what that ship had in mind when they made it. You yeah. know, versus the army established like the Javits Center down the road, mm-hmm. which was like an expedient field hospital. And, you know, I never went to the Javits Center, never got to talk to them, whatever. But I know that their experience was a little different. But right. since they were already on the ground, there was no embarking, disembarking. You know, there was no how many ventilators do we have on the ship? Mm-hmm. You know, but the one thing that was unique about the comfort is like they could make their own air, their own yeah. oxygen, I guess, because on the ship. Um. So that was one unique thing that we didn't have over everybody else. Um, but anyway, so we pull in, and at first they were like, hey, guys, we're not taking COVID patients. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, they're like, hey, this is a hospital ship. Mm-hmm. It's meant for combat. We're here to alleviate the emergency room system and free up hospital beds. Mm-hmm. So that way the New York City system can focus exclusively on, you know, COVID. So you, like, you became the overflow barracks. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like the people that, you know, 
people were still getting shot, getting mm-hmm. in car crashes, all sorts of shit in New York City. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, you'll just be that step. Right. You know. Uh, I remember the very first patient that we had. None of us had masks. You yeah, know? yeah. We weren't wearing that shit. We didn't have gowns. We didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And there was this, you know, this old man. I don't even remember what he was there for, but he was there. We He was in a wheelchair. Me and this other guy pushed him in the wheelchair down to x-ray, got him his x-ray, and then we came back, and they were like, hey, <laughs> that man tested positive for COVID. Beautiful. And I was like, what man? <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> I was... uh you know, I always like to think I wouldn't be that guy to hide the zombie bite. Of course, yeah. But yeah. in that moment, yeah. I was hiding the zombie bite. I was yeah. like, I, you know, I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> the fuck is COVID? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because this was like the next day. Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, don't worry, there'll be zero COVID people on the ship. So mm-hmm. we weren't wearing anything. And, you know, granted, I'm a young, healthy adult male. Mm-hmm. So whatever. But still at the time, I didn't know how the Navy was going to react. You know, are they black bagging motherfuckers? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. disappearing them till that they find a cure or whatever. I was like, uh, this is not the place I want to be <laughs> when they're like, hey, man, you've been exposed to this crazy new shit. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> never no, heard of it. Yeah, not me. Couldn't be me. Yeah. So then they pulled tape and they're like, look, dog, we know. it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, man. Yeah, you got me. It was me. You know, but you know, that's the classic FMF Corman creed, you know, admit mm-hmm. nothing, deny everything and make counter accusations. Of course. You know, live for it. Uh, and then from there, it was almost a complete 180. They were like, hey, forget that. You know, ICU two and four, I think it was four. Mm-hmm. There's like a negative pressure room where they're like, all right, we're just going to keep all the COVID patients back there and then do regular ER stuff in the front with the regular ICU. And mm-hmm. it was like. You don't have to be a very smart man to see how long that's going to work. Yeah. Because, you know, sure as shit, then they found, you know, a COVID positive patient in the gen pop of the ICU. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like, we didn't, you know, think this would happen. It's like, you know. Right. It's yeah. a it's a respiratory illness. Yeah. And it's airborne. <laughs> yeah. And we're on a ship. Yeah. A metal ship. <laughs> so that was actually my next question. What's your living quarter situation at this point? So in the very beginning, we were still living on the ship in the racks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, since it was a still very new, no one knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. They kind of made a, you know, I don't want to make it sound more dramatic than it is, mm-hmm. but they kind of made like a, a snap decision. And I mean, it's understandable. They built plastic barriers mm-hmm. with two by four walls between the people that were not working in the ICU mm-hmm. and like the red zones and okay. the people that were working, you know, kind of like less critical jobs at the time. Cause you know, to get down into the like nursing wards, you would have to take an elevator. You'd have to load them up onto like ship racks, you know? So like patients that were real sick were not getting down there. Yeah. So, you know, they were mostly kind of waiting to see what, how it, how the situation was going to develop. Yeah. You know, because it was a slow influx of patients. You know, so everything was kind of like waiting to see. But the ship staff like built plastic barriers. Yeah. You know, to separate the, I don't know, I don't, the red zone people, like the hot zone workers, you know. Just think of it as like clean, unclean. Like mm-hmm. people in the risk. Because I mean, understandably so, you don't want to risk the whole ship 
for the, you know, three, four dozen people that work in the ICUs. Yeah. So then they started, you know, for the first week or so, it was, we stayed on there. And then they started shipping us out into uh, Times Square. They actually had a hotel room mm-hmm. uh, in Times Square. I probably got pictures around somewhere. So, you know, it's funny. I I recall this time frame vividly because I was, you know, in my apartment in Virginia Beach, sitting there quarantined, getting fat as fuck. And then you would just randomly send me pictures and be like, oh, this is my view from my hotel room in New York. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing in New York? And you're like, yeah, I'm just New York living. <laughs> yeah. We do a little bit of trolling around yeah, here. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll say this though. I looked up how much that hotel would have been around a night. Yeah, yeah. It was like two or $300 a night. Mm-hmm. And they don't have microwaves in the room yeah. or hotel or little fridges where you could keep your own leftovers. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you paying that much money for? <laughs> so what were you eating? They were giving us like artisan box nasties. There's no other way to describe it. They right. had some sort of, you know, I think I grew up too poor to really understand what I was eating because sometimes I can't even tell you what vegetables were what. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, it was like, it was some fancy, fancy food, but it was always cold mm. and there was no way to really heat it up. And I mean, it wasn't bad, you know, it was, it was better than like the classic box nasties and I don't mean to sound like ungrateful, but it was just a very strange. Oh, of course. Yeah. You're in the middle of like the Mecca, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're getting box nasties and you're living in a hotel room that isn't that nice. Uh, yeah. Well, it was a super nice hotel room, but it just like. You know, it was made with the idea that, like, you're in New York City, you're going to go out to eat, blah, right, blah, blah. Right, right, But, like, you know, so, like, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a lot of people, like, DoorDash and, like, Uber mm-hmm. eats food. But then, like, you wouldn't have a place to reheat it or yeah. store it. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you'd be you'd be in this weird, like, situation of, like, okay, well, I want to, whenever I have, like, my time off, I want to eat something nice, you mm-hmm. know. And then you'd be, like all right, man, well, I guess I'm fucking gorging out. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know? But so they had us ship bussing in and out, you know, from that hotel in mm-hmm. New York City. And, you know, really my only gripe was that the fridge was completely full of, like, stuff, so you couldn't fit your leftovers in. Yeah, yeah. And then we didn't have access to microwaves, so you could, you know, try to enjoy what few creature comforts you could get. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of sounds stuck up because we were in, hotels and our counterparts were on the ship but then like we were also incredibly isolated if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know i'm not saying that people didn't break the rules and like you know hang out and stuff because it's like you you go crazy in a a single hotel room by yourself for if you did it properly the whole entire time well especially with you not knowing the situation it's not like you packed like you know stuff to survive a hotel room you pack stuff to go underway and you know, provide uh, medicine to people in New York City. So yeah. it was a it was a lose lose situation. Yeah. So I went from playing spades in my silkies every yeah. night with the boys, yeah, in like the bottom, you know, ship level, yeah. To now it's like, hey man, does anyone know how to play spades? And can I hear you above <laughs> this like reverse air <laughs> yeah, airflow ex- yeah. in, <laughs> in the in the ICU? Yeah, exactly. So you know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not ideal. So what are the, what's the time frame at this point? How long have you been there? How long did you stay? Um, so I think we took off in like March and then about, uh, 2020. Yeah, yeah, about 2020, you know, it might've been a little bit earlier than March, mm-hmm. but I remember, you know, we were only there for like month and a half, mm-hmm. maybe two months. It was a very short lived thing because you know, it, 
I think politically the pressure was coming on. That's like, Oh, this is just a show. Mm -hmm. But you know, at the same time, you know, then president Trump was like, Hey, you know, you asked for help. I sent you this. I sent you the Javits center. So there was like a lot of like political bickering, you know, back and forth. And then we were kind of caught in the middle of like Mm -hmm. when they put out hit pieces of like, Oh, this ship ain't doing shit. And it's like, you know, in the ICU specifically, we were like, Hey man. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want me fucking here. Yeah. I'll take my shit and go right now. Hey, welcome (laughs) to being in the military, man. Yeah. Um, so what was the day to day like for you for that month and a half? So like I said, they kind of separated the ship off in case it got, you know, in case it was way worse Mm -hmm. than what the initial fears were, you know, they kind of like rationed people, you know, they didn't want to, use up everybody in one go Mm -hmm. so at first we were fucking understaffed there's no other way to say we were working seven on you know 12 hour shifts you know we didn't get a day off until like you know a month and whatever and you know people say like oh man you're deployed like you don't get days off and it's like i don't know i can remember with the marines like there's some days we're just sitting in the fucking yeah you know the lz you know the lsa or whatever and we're just fucking playing spades Mm -hmm. for like a 24 hour continuous period. It's like, yeah. there is downtime. <laughs> there's a lot of downtime. No yeah. matter what any hardo says, like mm-hmm. there's always downtime. Oh yeah. You know, like, so, you know, we'd get there. We were, we had these weird fucking Jerry rigged mask holders mm-hmm. because we did not have enough PPE to dawn and doff fresh gear. Like you were supposed to every day. Right. They rationed out like the scrubs, like only certain people were scrubs. And they still had like weird Navy rules of like, you can't wear scrubs in this area. So people have to change their scrubs and stuff. Like, you know, we couldn't show up in scrubs. <laughs> you know, the classic <laughs> Navy bullshit was still applying, even though they're like, this is the end of the world. Yeah. And it's like, well, hey, motherfucker, let me wear the scrubs then wherever I want. If we're going to yeah. die, who gives a fuck? You're going to die in uniform. <laughs> yeah, you will die in the proper uniform of the day, <laughs> sailor. Right. Goddamn right. Yeah, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it was just, you know, it was it was serious, but like there was a lot of like, classic naval silliness to it at the of same course, time yeah. you know i remember vividly like at the very beginning like there's this one old man doctor mm-hmm. he like didn't wear a mask he didn't wear anything and he's like yeah. i don't really give a fuck man <laughs> and i was like that's my boy yeah, but yeah. i'm not high enough rank to copy you <laughs> you know <laughs> and then he got it and then like a week later he was fine and i'm like dude this guy is ancient and just walked it off yeah yeah you know he's one of those doctors that's like we'll never retire from the navy <laughs> because like you can stay as a medical doctor yeah. at captain rank till you die you can't kill me yeah he was it was cool to see i was like man that's a man right there yeah, yeah. you know and so like you know we just did i imagine it's just like working any other i never worked in the icu at a real hospital or anything like that mm-hmm. all my icu experiences limited to there um i mostly handled the pharmaceutical side of you know our icus like i made sure that we had the steady stream of medical supplies the mm-hmm. you know the necessary medications got the proper medications for each patient like you know i kind of you know took a more leadership role so i wasn't doing a lot of like hands-on patient care i was mostly you know facilitating making sure the meds were at a continuous flow mm-hmm. you know for our icus and i mean unfortunately the way a lot of it was is like if you're innovated people don't think about this and like it was a fresh experience for me personally like i know now that you know, past a certain age, if any of my family members intubate me, I'm mm-hmm. going to haunt the fuck out of them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, because like a lot of people don't think about it. It's like when you're like, do whatever you can to keep my loved one alive. It's like, 
okay, we'll do that. You know, that means they're going to get a tube down your throat yeah. to keep them breathing. They're going to get a tube down their nose into their gut to feed them. They're going to get a tube up their rectum, you know, for when they need to shit. Mm-hmm. They're going to get another tube up their urethra for when they need to pee. So it's like you have, you know, four or five tubes up their loved one. It's like it was at that time that I saw, you know, a grown man shove a fucking almost a whole hand up someone's grandma, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, like the necess- the, you know, he was trying to get the tube in. So because it was like, you know, some stuff was happening. And he was trying <laughs> to keep her keep her together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, like whenever you have to. You know, keep someone going to the end because like medically unless you have a dni like a mm-hmm. do not intubate or yep. do not resuscitate you have to keep them going to the utmost of your ability and a lot of times like that involves some very aggressive oh, of course things yeah. you know like trying to restart a body yeah, yeah do cpr you're snapping mm-hmm. ribs like mm-hmm. these people are ancient so they've got bird chests like yep. you know it's a very aggressive you know process that i think i think if more people knew mm-hmm. how aggressive modern medicine has to be mm-hmm. to keep you know, older folks alive. I don't think that we would be having, you know, people getting resuscitated like 80, yeah. you know, cause like in theory, like you've had 80 years to take care of your affairs. You've lived a good life. And, you know, in my opinion, it would be better to fade gracefully than to have some fucking 24 year old dude fucking thumping on your chest. Yeah. You know, like I know for me personally, that was a very eye opening experience of like the darker side of medicine that like you don't see until you work in the ICUs. Yeah. You know, like as you're there to watch life in like in the sanitized medical portion, like for me, that was a big eye opening experience because like the only times that we've ever done like life saving medicine right. like with the Marines, it was like a more aggressive field type, you know, environment. That's the only places like I've ever known it, talked about it, anything like that. And then yeah. to see it in the modern medicine context, I was like, oh my God, like yeah. this is brutal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. So you're there for about a month and a half. And then without being too political about it, they just kind of say, okay, we're done here. And you leave. Yeah, man. So like then one day they're like, hey, you know, like towards the end when like, I guess everybody kind of realized that, you know, one way or another, how it was leaning. Mm -hmm. They were like, they started bringing in other people. So we would have days off. You know, they slowly started easing up on our restrictions mm-hmm. with one another. Like, you know, it just, the thumb kind of got slowly lifted. And then they were like, hey, you know, uh, some of you are going to ride back with the ship. And the rest of you start packing up your shit. You're going to fly back to Virginia. Mm-hmm. So then I was one of the ones that got chosen to fly back to Virginia. And then we flew back and then we were done. Yeah. And then, like, they tested us for COVID when we got back. Yeah. And... We stayed at home for like two weeks. I will say this though. Mm-hmm. This was something that personally fucking pissed me off. Mm-hmm. I got back. My LCPO at the time would not allow anyone from my chain of command to pick me up from, you know, Portsmouth because <laughs> they brought everyone to Portsmouth because, right. you know, most of the people were from that hospital. That makes sense. Yeah. And so there were people working at Oceana who were, you know, they were swabbers like they Mm-hmm. interacted with patient positive people like it wasn't isolated every command had set people that were like interacting with anyone suspected of swapping course, them yeah. making sure and i was like hey can anyone give me a ride 
to my place. They're like, no, figure it out yourself. They're like, you can Uber and then, you know, we'll reimburse you. I'm like, so you want me to potentially infect a member of the civilian population? Yeah. And then also pay for it myself when there are naval personnel, <laughs> you know, who have been exp- like knowingly, like we know they've been exposed. Yeah, of course. You know, and they have PPE like they could be in PPE in the duty van. <laughs> I could be in PPE. However you want to do it. I just want to ride back to my place yeah. where I have to go sit for two weeks. And like they're like, oh, no, you have to get your groceries delivered and shit to you. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no homie hookups. Yeah. Like you guys can't do a grocery list. And then I, I would have came got you. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well it's funny because in the next day oh shit yeah <laughs> one of my other buddies he was in cuba yeah. he was plussing up cuba you know guantanamo bay he came back and they were like oh hey so you know your homeboys come back he's like one of my good friends mm-hmm. he was coming back to you know portsmouth same thing and i was like hey you know i've already been exposed or whatever <laughs> you know i'm in lockdown he's gonna go into a two-week lockdown mm-hmm. i'll go pick him up so no one from the command is exposed and he doesn't expose a civilian or whatever mm-hmm. they're like if he doesn't show us an uber receipt we're njp and you both <laughs> <laughs> and i was like do you fucking hear yourselves right now is that when you immediately applied for uber <laughs> <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no i was just so pissed off like you know the whole thing was like that and like you know like the whole we had been through so much because everyone in the medical facility everyone in the medical field has been subject to all sorts of arbitrary rules. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, and like one guy in particular, one of the things that really fucking sealed the deal for me mm-hmm. that the Navy does not care about you Yeah, is, you know, this guy, and, you know, without giving away too much of his life, basically he was at the command. He grew up, you know, North Carolina, mm-hmm. one state away. It was like a two-hour drive to his hometown. Mm-hmm. His father was on his deathbed. He gave them like a day and a half heads up. Like, hey, my old man's going to die. Can I go? You know, it's not like if I was like, hey, I need to go to Indiana Mm -hmm. right now to like go watch the loved one. He was like, hey, it's like a two hour drive. Yeah. I can be there and be back. Naval policy was 50 miles without a two star, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, I really don't give a fuck what you think. If you think that it's not morally the right thing to do to let that man go watch his father pass on mm-hmm. and cover for him you're a piece of shit no i agree you know anyone who says otherwise they should take a real hard look at themselves in the mirror and be like you know <laughs> you know what the fuck is wrong with me yeah yeah like to watch your father to be there for him at his passing moments a two-hour drive he could have been there and been back and you know yeah after lunch yeah yeah, and then, like, the next day, they finally got approval. They were like, hey, <laughs> you know, don't worry. Yeah, we yeah. took care of it for you. Yeah. You know, you can go now. <laughs> we killed your father, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we fucking finished the job. We unplugged him. You don't have to worry about fucking going. <laughs> but anyways, like, the next day at, like, noon, they were like, hey, man, you don't have to thank us. Oh, Just wow. go. Oh. We took care of it. And he's like, my dad died this morning at 9 a.m. Yep. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, I still to this day, like, I'm, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about it besides right. what I said. I know, know, I know. All right. This is what we're going to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can wear it for hours. <laughs> Everyone listening, <laughs> I'm angry. All right. So we're going to pause here yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we'll resume at a later time.
Uh, but I do want to say before we wrap this, uh, thank you for your time sharing experiences. It does mean a lot. Um, but we're going to do a part two with you where you talk about your life after the military, kind of what you've been up to and kind of what your future goals are. So, uh, <laughs> oh, spicy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe a little bit more positive next time. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Stand by for more. Yep.